Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we begin a new study on the book of Joshua, with Joshua chapter 1. As an introduction to the text, this is the book that immediately follows, both in our actual Bible, but also chronologically, after the Pentateuch, Moses' writings of the first five books of Scripture, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So, Genesis is the story of the majority of creation's history, when you stop and think about it, depending on and even when you date the creation of the world, 6,000, 7,000 years ago in the young earth perspective there. The book of Exodus then picks up at 1446 BC when God sends Moses to rescue his people Israel from their time in slavery under Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy then cover that 40 years of wilderness wandering that the Israelites have, as did part of the book of Exodus. And it is Joshua that picks up on the end of that. So this is 1406 BC. We're just after, again, the Pentateuch, we're just after, as we'll see in verse 1, the death of Moses. So the timeline of the book of Joshua, 1406 B.C., lasting until maybe 1375 is the common year that you'll hear for that. And it's going to have the major theme of God giving Israel the promised land. Their forefathers don't get to see it because of their sin, their grumblings against God. He does not allow them to enter those who have seen his miracles in Egypt, but they're Generations after them, their children and grandchildren, they get to inherit the promised land because God promised it, and he's going to fulfill and keep that promise to them. And that's what the book's about. God is going to drive out the various tribes that are living in what is actually the land of Canaan. We know it as the promised land, and it becomes the land of Israel. But at the time, the land of the Canaanites, the various tribes like the Hittites, the Hivites, the Girgashites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, we'll see lists like that as we move through the book. So we begin our text with chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Yahweh said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for Yahweh your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, 
pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan, to go in to take possession of the land that Yahweh your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses the servant of Yahweh commanded you, saying, Yahweh your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until Yahweh gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that Yahweh your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses the servant of Yahweh gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may Yahweh your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. So again, 1406 B.C., the death of Moses is in view. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 51 and 52, we learn that because Moses did not obey the word of Yahweh, he will not get to enter the promised land. That refers back to Numbers chapter 20, where Moses was commanded to tell the rock to provide water to the people. But Moses instead, in his anger, dishonored the Lord and struck the rock. That is a sin, right? He didn't do what God instructed him to do, and that was enough for God to banish Moses from the promised land as well. Moses got to see it, and so he sees it in Deuteronomy 34. He dies, and Yahweh buries him on that mountain somewhere. So, Yahweh establishes Joshua, who had been Moses' assistant, as the new leader over the people. Commissions him here, I guess you could say. This is his commissioning. So, go over this Jordan. They're, they're on the east side of it right now. They are in the land, as we'll see mentioned in verse 12, of the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Uh, Numbers 32, God has already established this land for them. They asked Moses for it. God granted it. But there was the provision uh, in that, that they would help their fellow Israelites cross the Jordan, take the land, and then they would get to go home. We see that as well in the text today. So from east to west, they cross the Jordan into what we know of as the land of Israel. They're going to do that under Joshua's command. God has promised this land. And this promise goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 13, when God spoke to Abram. God brought Abram from the far land of Ur, off in the east toward Babylon. Abram, with his father still alive, moves to the city of Haran, which is up in Syria, off to the north. And then after his father's death, the Lord calls him to leave. And at the age of 75, Abram leaves all that he has come to know in Haran and Syria, and he moves down to Canaan. And after Abram and Lot separate and go their separate ways, God speaks to Abram and promises to give to him all the land that he sees, eastward, northward, westward, um, seaward, I think is the actual phrase there, and southward, and the phrase there is Negev word, which is the dry country that resides to the south of Israel. 
you think of perhaps the Sinai Peninsula, where Mount Sinai is. So, this is the promised land, and it will stretch as far as the river Euphrates. In David's day it does. The kingdom will indeed reach that, that extent. Now, God is going to highlight again and again here the promise that he has made. And this is a good time to talk to our children about God's promises. What has God promised you? And we've got several, right? We have the promise of the forgiveness of sins. We have the promise that in baptism, God gives us faith. We have the promise of the Lord's Supper, that Jesus is truly with us, forgiving us. We have the promise of life everlasting, that there is a resurrection from the dead and that we get to live with God forever. We also, as we're going to see in verse 9, we have the promise in Matthew 28 that Jesus speaks at the end of the gospel. He says, I am with you always to the end of the age. We have the promise of Jesus, our God, present right here with us right now. That's a wondrous promise. We'll see that as we move forward here, but I wanted to focus on it already. These are the things that you want to talk about with your children every day, right? Don't let the promises of God fall out of sight. So as far off to the northeast as the Euphrates, as far west as the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea, the going down of the sun, so that's a reference to, again, the west. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you because God is fighting for Israel and God drives them out. So it doesn't matter how strong the enemy is. David, as a shepherd boy, gets this right. That's the, the account that your children probably know quite well. The idea of David killing Goliath. Well, remember that detail of that account. David doesn't take pride in himself. He recognizes that God fights for him. And that's why he's confident to do it. So God promises to Joshua, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. A strong promise, a wonderful promise that God gives to his servant here. And then he tells him to obey everything that he has commanded him in the book of the law. That's a reference again to what Moses has just written. We don't know when in the 40 years of the wilderness wanderings between 1446 and 1406 that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, again, Genesis through Deuteronomy. But that's the time frame. That's when he wrote it down. And so Joshua has it. Joshua knows it. Um, Joshua, familiar with the whole of it, and he's supposed to keep it. Keep God's commandments. Follow his laws, and things will go well for you. This isn't the promise today. Right? We don't have that promise that if we just do whatever God says, things will go well for us. In fact, the New Testament kind of flips it around. Now that we no longer live in a theocracy run by God himself, but live in the midst of evil evil kings, I mean, 1 Samuel 8 is a long way off yet, chronologically from this text from Joshua, but that's where that steps in. Because of that, we can expect things to go poorly for us. The world hated Christ. Because it hated him, it will hate you also. That's the New Testament promise. It's not that if you do God's will, that things will go well. Ultimately, they do because you get to be in paradise as a child of God. But uh, praise the Lord for that forgiveness that he gives because I don't do well at doing what God has given me to do. But as we think about these things, as we consider these things, 
And this is the picture. Things will go from from evil to worse, bad to worse, Second Timothy 3, for us. But here, in the Old Testament times, under God's command, under God's reign as king, if they followed him, the Lord would bless them in what they did. They had that promise. Now, they're told to meditate on God's word day and night. This, I would say, is something we should be doing as well. So, family conversation again. What are some ways we can meditate on God's word day and night? Deuteronomy 6 is a good starting place. That's the idea that whether you're walking along the road, sitting down in your house, rising up, lying down, whatever position you're in, you're telling your children about God. So, if we're reading God's word in our house throughout the day, fantastic. That's the aim. That's what God has set up for it to happen so that our faith is given to our children. This is the goal of this podcast is that you are equipped to do such a thing, that you understand the scriptures and can teach them to your children. Even just reading them and they ask questions, you'll be better prepared to answer some of those things. And if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, and then go ask your pastor. He might do the same thing. He might say, I don't know, and then he'll go ask somebody else or, or do some research and try and get back to you on that. There are some questions that we simply cannot answer. Um, so you might run into those too, especially with those, those kids who love to ask great questions. Um, three times God commands Joshua here to be strong and courageous. Why? Well, he's going to see enemies. And as you recall back to Numbers, I believe it's chapter 14, when the spies spy out the promised land, they come back and give a bad report. I guess this is Numbers 13, where they're reporting that the people of the land are great and strong and that they basically have no chance. They're like giants and we're not. Be strong. Do not be afraid of the enemy because God will fight for you. But if you cower, if, you're, if you won't even go into the promised land, the Lord is not going to fight for that. So go into the land, God will drive them out. That's the picture. Again, Yahweh your God is with you wherever you go. We have a similar promise. So we also do not need to be afraid. Matthew 28, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The promise now takes a different form, again, because the world will hate you. The world will persecute you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, says that quite plainly. But... Jesus is still with us. We need, we need not fear anything in this world because if they kill me, I'm with Christ. So I can live for the Lord knowing that he will care for me in all things. And he'll care for my family too. The Lord created my family. He provides for them each day. If I'm not here, he can still provide for them. He can do it without me. I pray that he keep using me in that way because it's a gift he gives. Each day is a gift. But trust in the Lord above all things, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's the commissioning of Joshua. Now we come to Joshua giving the instruction to the people. So he commands the officers, so the leaders of the people, to get people ready, make provisions. Three days from now, within three days, we're going to pass over the Jordan to take possession of it. Three days is a good reference in scripture, right? What happens on the third day? Famously, Jesus rises from the dead. Anyway, uh, three days from now, they're going to take Israel. They're going to take the promised land that Yahweh your God is giving you. 
Notice the focus. God is still in control. God is still the focus. God is still fulfilling his promise. Then we get the Reubenites, Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. So this is not not just the tribe of Manasseh as a whole, but half of them that have settled on the east side of the Jordan River that did not want to wait to get to the west side. They liked the land that they saw, and they requested it. So this is roughly Numbers 32. They get that land from God. But the promise, the provision, was that they would help their brothers also take the promised land. And so that is the the conversation you have there in that paragraph, Joshua reminding them of that commitment that they made with the Lord, that they do this, and then they can return to the east, and they can dwell in the land that God has given them to possess. They can leave, verse 14, their wives, little ones, and livestock in the land because God will care for them. Joshua does not specifically say that, but it is the truth, right? That we can know this is true. Then the final paragraph, we see their response. All you have commanded we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. So that's good, right? We, we can say that's a good word, well spoken. Verse 17, though, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so will we obey you. This is where, again, okay, it's a good word, but knowing the history, as you probably know the history as well, Right? How well did they obey Moses? Not well at all. Right? They were grumbling against him. They tried to kill him. Um, not good. So the snarkiness in me, here's verse 17, says, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but it is what it is. Right? They have promised to obey Joshua and to follow the leadership that the Lord has established. So that is good. It is. And then they, they basically are praying, only may Yahweh your God be with you. That is basically a prayer asking that God would continue to be with Joshua as he was, right? they say, as he was with Moses. And we know from the commissioning at the start of the chapter, God has already promised to do exactly that. And then they basically speak a curse, verse 18, that whoever would rebel against Joshua and his commands, because Joshua speaks for God, that they would be condemned, put to death. So they're admitting it themselves, right? This is eventually going to lead into the book of Judges, the cycle of Israel sinning against God, being oppressed, being rescued, enjoying peace, sinning against God, and so forth. It's a four-step thing that just repeats itself 13 times over roughly 300 years. And then the book, the chapter ends with the two and a half tribes, repeating what God has already said three times, only be strong and courageous. So again, we might take that as a prayer on behalf of Joshua, that they are asking him to do, they're asking the Lord to grant him such strength and courage, but they're also, they're also asking Joshua to do this, right? If you're going to lead us, this is what we need. Be strong, be courageous. And again, he can do this because he knows God will fight for him. He's seen it. He's seen it with the plagues. He's seen it with the crossing of the Red Sea. He'll see it some more in the years to come.